Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Middle Earth Shadow of War. Our thoughts on the Last Jedi trailer. A week six preview in the NFL. Why you need to see Blade Runner 2049. And can Marvel really fix their broken timeline? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Stores. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Truly want to thank everyone out there who put us for this show, the Friday show, in the top 10 of the Podcast Radio Network rankings once again for the month of September. We truly appreciate it. We're indebted to you for doing so and hope you keep on listening and enjoying our shows. It just tells us that you want us coming back for more each and every week, and we truly cannot appreciate it enough. But I couldn't be doing this without my tag team partner. He is the man, the myth, the legend. He is the maestro of Humanican Media with an all-new logo. Ooh, fancy. It's Josh Peterson. What's up, my friend? Yeah, how you like that logo, man? I figured it was, it was time to step out of the 90s, you know? Well, it almost seems like it's futuristic in a way. If what At point in time, football ever decides to go with robot refs, it looks like it's like, it's good. It's good. Hey, I'm just, I'm ahead of the game now. There you go, indeed. But uh, definitely a great-looking logo for Humanica Media. Check it out. And all the other great stuff that's going on there on Facebook and Twitter as well. But we've got a great episode, indeed, to talk about. Like I said, we've got Middle Earth Shadow of War thoughts coming up later in the broadcast. And also, as well, why you need to see Blade Runner 2049, including Josh's thoughts on the film. Got Rob McCallum from robmccallumfilms.com and Tiny Titan Studios. He's stopping by to share his thoughts on The Last Jedi trailer. And also Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He checks in, as always, with a week six preview in the NFL for you fantasy football owners out there. But first, Josh, I know it's something that you and I had an issue of when we saw Spider-Man Homecoming. And it seemed to get, like, you know, swept under the rug for a little while. And I just, I'm glad they're finally starting to talk about it. In an interview with Cinema Blend, 
Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios, did address the, I guess, mishap or as far as the way that Spider-Man Homecoming dealt with the timeline in an incorrect fashion. Because it's coming out shortly in video, and you'll be able to understand what we mean as far as the timeline not being placed after what was represented early in the film. Your thoughts on exactly what's going on with the Marvel timeline, can it be fixed? And I'll ask you as a second question on top of that, should it be fixed? I was, I was trying to f- figure out how I was going to phrase this. Like, I, you know, it's to us, it's a big deal, but to the casual fan or the casual moviegoer, I don't think they really noticed it as much as we did. They probably wouldn't have known that it was there had they not, you know, opened up the internet and saw that it was a problem. But um, to me, someone who's actually watched all the Marvel films and I've gotten on that side, you know, I'm not a super duper comic book fan, but you know, I enjoy the Marvel films. That stuck out to me just like right there, and it had me scratching my head for at least 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest problem is the age of Tom Holland's character doesn't coincide with the, uh, you know, the... Iron Man 2 deal? Yeah, yeah, so... But to me, it's actually the issue of the way that the the timeline is as far as the battle for New York and, and it taking place at a different point in the timeline than what was represented on screen. Right. And that's, um, you know, it's, I, I think they were trying to like reach for a something to anchor Spider-Man into the MCU. And, you know, I don't know how they're going to fix that. I don't know what they're going to do, whether it's going to be some lines of dialogue or they're going to reshoot a scene or give us a deleted scene or however they want to do it. I'm, I hey, they, can just, they can just do a graphic on there. That's all it takes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm personally like, I'm super interested in how they're gonna, you know, mend these these pieces together. But you know, it's it's one of those things where they they didn't really think about it. I, I guess it's something like because most Marvel movies are gone over with a, a scrutinizing eye, you know, and they play it for audiences, and someone should have point this thing out. So. Do you I'm think surprised. actually it's because that Sony handled this picture as far as being the, the front runner, but they're supposed to do an injunction with Marvel Studios, but do you think therein lies the problem of why this happened as far as this broken timeline being the wrong number of years being put on? Do you know what really wouldn't surprise me if, because we saw the movie and the movie was good, but it really wouldn't surprise me if like behind the scenes, it was a total cluster of just like, you know, it's so many people going on about things there's arguments about story and connectivity and all that so it wouldn't be it you know it really wouldn't surprise me if that's how this was you know this slipped under the rug but (laughs) i don't know man it sounds like sony especially like because they want to do the venom thing and all that they're like it sounds like they're pretty volatile right now so i don't you know i don't know how marvel's dealing with that well, I, I see it as a problem because you're also trying to tie in so many other characters within the Spider-Man universe, Donald Glover's character, for instance, as far as within that time frame for later stuff down the road, as far as, like you said, with Venom universe, but also the Spider-Man universe, because the Spider-Man film did so well, they obviously want to continue with this Tom Holland part of the Spider-Man movies. So they want to continue with that, but it just... It hurts me to see that there was this lack of cohesiveness and the continuity, for, especially for, for people that this is a comic book-based film. 
comic book fans that are out there usually uh, they they want their eyes dotted and they want their t's crossed i mean take a look at the secret empire as far as that was concerned they wanted things and, and voice their opinions they wanted things done in a certain fashion whether or not that was the intended route as far as what came out of it as far as the end game was that's you know, remains to be seen but i think a lot of backlash from comic book fans alike caused the ending that ultimately came out of the secret empire in this case it's just marvel is very aware of their audience and at least after so many years they should be i just i just don't get it even if it was done primarily by sony somebody at marvel should have screened it ahead of time and noticed that because it, it, sh it was probably screened. Mar Kevin Feige probably saw it uh, at some point in time. It just didn't click in. And, and like you said, screeners and, and somebody should have, have along the way before it became available for mass release should have recognized this issue and it should have been rectified. But at this point in time, it, it looks like what it's going to have to happen is to get this thing right as Kevin Feige says that they're going to try to do to get this thing right. It probably looks like that at some point in time, a graphic is going to be put with the right amount of years on it. And for those who are not familiar with it, the Spider-Man Homecoming, at point in time where it suggested it was eight years later, I'm sorry, is that correct? It was. It's about a year off, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It's a seven year, it's supposed to be a seven year different so six year difference correct 2011 was the avengers movie that was the battle of new york 2017 spider-man comes out so that's a six year difference not an eight year difference so you have that period of time where it's not spoken for and and that really messes things up along the timeline of captain america thor iron man and like and like you said and alluded to Iron Man 2, that throws everything off there because the young man in the uh, part where he looks like he's about to die, but Iron Man saves him and you know gives him his helmet and all that, that is from Iron Man 2. And that timeline gets messed up if you leave it at eight years, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I, because I keep thinking about it, you know, now it's, it's going over and over in my head. So I think, I wouldn't be surprised if like Sony wasn't even really paying attention because they spent so long competing with marvel that i it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't even know they didn't even know what was going on with the continuity so you know it's but marvel the, as in co-producing this should have recognized that right off the bat yeah that's that's for sure but it, you know i i don't know man like i've i've even like i even had to you know see it twice before i noticed noticed it so it, it's just I don't know, man. I, I like I, I really want to know like what they're gonna do to fix it or how you know. I, I at this point I don't know like why uh, they're ch choosing now to make a big deal out of it. I mean, they should have you know been doing something about it back when it was first noticed. So it's uh, I, I I don't even know what's going through their heads. I don't either. I just think it's damage control at this point in time. But it has made a lot of people upset. For me, it's just kind of disappointing because Marvel for this. Marvel Cinematic Universe has tried very hard to dot all those I's and cross those T's and tried to pattern this all at one time. And we didn't know that kid from Iron Man 2 was going to lead into Spider-Man. I don't think at the time that they were planning on that, but it's, somebody got the bright idea, hey, let's put point A and make it eventually go to point Z. 
But in order to do that, you have to have your timeline correct. And I'm just very disappointed with both Marvel and Sony for not getting their act together and understanding what kind of timeline it is. They could have just gone to IMDb and just realized, hey, the Battle of New York took place in 2011 because that's when it was released. You weren't putting this in the past. You didn't mention it was in the past at any point in time. The right. only thing that was done in the past was Captain America, the first Avenger. That's the only movie that was done in the past. Right. And it's funny you talk about the the little kid thing. I was having this conversation with someone the other day about uh, why, like how that happened. You know, Tony Stark saving the kid at the Stark Expo. And I, you know, I don't think they planned that. I don't, I think that it was just, because how could they have known? How really, how could they have known? So I think it's just one of those things that probably showed up on like Reddit or something. And someone's like, wouldn't it be cool if this kid was so-and-so and then someone at Marvel got a hold of it and be like, yeah, we should roll with that. Yeah, and, and the thing is, with Iron Man 2, it takes place right around the time of Thor. There's actually dialogue, if I'm not mistaken, in either Thor or Iron Man 2, one of those where they talk about going to New Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, that's in um, that's in Iron Man 2 when uh, Coulson says he's being called to New Mexico and Tony Stark goes, Land of Enchantment, and they have that conversation. Exactly. So everything's supposed to fall in place, if that's correct. But it's all within a present tense. And, and in order to keep that together, the timeline has to stay intact, or otherwise it takes certain people that recognize it, you know, such as you and I, it takes us out of enjoying it for at least even a brief period of time. And I, I, I rated Spider-Man Homecoming overall very well. Let's get that out of the picture. It's, it's a great movie, and if you haven't seen it yet, you should see it. It's it is one of my top films of the year so far. Still there. One of my top films. Not the top, but we'll talk about that later. I am just waiting for Marvel to see what happens because I do think they need to fix this going forward. And I think they will. It's just all it takes is just a rearrangement of the graphics and one certain scene near the beginning of Spider-Man Homecoming. And I think it will set everything right going forward. And it'll be... Kind of like you know, and another movie again, a movie we're going to talk about later in the show that itself has its own different cuts and can be interpreted differently by the different cuts that are out there. So I'm hoping that Marvel will do the right thing with it. Any last thoughts on this Marvel timeline before it really gets our numbers all screwed up? Wait a second, are we in the future right now? Wasn't the Battle of Pop Culture Cosmos actually last year, right? That's correct, I think. Or eight years ago, I think. So. This is this is phase one of our project still, so I don't know. Dude, I'm, let's make my brain hurt. What's going on? You know what? Let's just say this. If you have any questions regarding fixing the Marvel timeline, do you think it should be fixed? Or do you think it's okay to just leave it alone? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanic Media with the great new logo and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. We've got a great show for you today, again, right here on the PCC Multiverse. Got Rob McCallum standing by, also Tyler Baker standing by. We'll be back for two more segments, including us talking about Miller's Shadow War and why you need to see Blade Runner 2049. That's all coming up and a whole lot more. But first, you know, on Fridays, it's our good friend Plasma Z, and this is actually my favorite song from him. This is Supernova, and this is the PCC Multiverse.
Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Tension Engine is a 2D side-scrolling platformer very reminiscent of what you would see in the 16-bit era. Games like Ninja Gaiden, Valis, Mega Man, it takes inspirations from many of these games. And if you're into retro games, then Henshin Engine is definitely the game for you. On top of having some really good game mechanics, Henshin Engine has excellent visuals, bright colors, a rockin' CD soundtrack, and gameplay that'll keep you coming back for more. But you've already heard me talk way too much about this game, so why don't we go ahead and hear what other people have to say about Henshin Engine. I think the game is awesome. It brings back uh, the old retro feel of uh, video games. I just thought it was an amazing game. I like that it feels like a classic like Mega Man 2 kind of style game. Uh, simple controls, but still extremely hard to do. It had the right speed, you know, when you play uh, a lot of times you play 16-bit game. And when it's a homebrew, a lot of people don't have that speed, that Mega Man, that Super Mario that you're looking for. game had that on point. I mean, it's a side-scroller with pixel-like graphics. Like Super Mario World 3 kind of stuff. It's got a it's got a manga feel, like you're playing through a like a playing through a comic book, you know. But at the same time, it's its own style. It's not too cheesy. You're back to classic enemies where you're just facing, you know, things that move left, right, things that fly around, and they're tough as hell. Okay, guys. So there you have it. You've seen what Henshin Engine looks like. You've heard what other people had to say about it. Tell your friends. Share it. Help us get across that finish line and get that retro game that you've always wanted to play. Thank you. For more information on how you can order a copy of Henshin Engine, check out Henshin Engine on Facebook today or HenshinEngine.com. And we're back with another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. You made that sound like, like a lava lamp, like hippie, transition-y, like euphoric experience something like that well you got to hear the theme song so this is gerald glassford once again from pop culture cosmos and game source we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast and i'm here along with my good friend the man the myth the legend behind rob mccallum films and rob mccallum a great part of tiny titan studios and an all-around awesome guy and Newly, newly, newly engaged man. I just uh, want to say congratulations on the air. It's Rob McCallum. It's me. Thank you, my friend. Very exciting uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. Got down on the old one knee as the bird was cooking upstairs. And I uh, asked my, my girlfriend to marry me, and she said yes. So that's good stuff. Well, that's awesome. Awesome indeed. That's, that's just the way you planned it when you were <laughs> planning out the movie. Shoot out the movie here. Edit the movie here, you know, direct, choose, all right, Close. cut, floor, right. engage. There you go. Yeah. It's yes. like yes. <laughs> well, it's a long plan. Yes, that's exactly it. Yes, yes. I was yes. referring to the fact that my girlfriend was part of a documentary that I did on Kitty, and he thinks this is part of some grand scheme. You know, I, I was watching some documentaries behind the scenes of Blade Runner 2049, and they had all the storyboarding up on there, I'm, as I'm sure you did probably as well for Unearthly, which you should catch on DVD whenever you get a chance. <laughs> but to see you mapping that out as far as for the Kitty documentary is concerned, but uh, we will yeah. uh, 
we will continue from there. But there's a lot of other great things that I'm going to have Rob mention as far as coming up in his plate as well. But uh, because there's so much when it comes to Rob McCallum. Take her away, my friend. Well, there's a lot of news to discuss. Thanksgiving weekend wasn't only filled with news of my engagement. There was obviously some Star Wars news to the trailer. Everybody was waiting for The Last Jedi. The, uh, the official trailer for it, whether we get a second one or it's just going to be a series of television promos at this point, we don't know. There was a lot of concerns about spoilers. There was a pre-trailer teaser that went out to try to rope people in. There was concerns about it not showing enough story or more story. Is it going to be too confusing? How much do they got to give away? Even the director said not to watch it at first. Yeah, Ryan Johnson said, you're going to want to avoid this. There's too many spoilers, which in some ways just reemphasizing, oh, I better watch this. You know, tune into ABC, a Disney-owned company on Monday Night Football to get those ratings up to watch the Star Wars trailer. Like, and when you think about it, Disney's really got that market cornered, right? They pick Monday night, the slowest television night, and the one thing people are all going to watch is Monday Night Football, and then you on Monday Night Football, you premiere the Star Wars trailer, so you get everybody else pouring in for a pretty nice ratings fest on, on, on a Monday night for your television company to promote your film division, which is really smart. Corporate synergy. What did you think of the trailer? Was it too spoiler heavy? And first of all, isn't that the definition of the trailer to reveal content that's in the film? Everything that's in a trailer of every trailer is a spoiler. Well, all I would say to you is how would you do it first? Before we go into it itself, we have some time to, how would you go into cutting that trailer first? And and then I'll give you my thoughts on the actual trailer itself. Well, I don't know that I have enough information to answer that because I have well, to how it's, the let's whole say you film. wanted to do it for unearthly. Let's say you wanted, to, you know, you were doing a special edition of unearthly, and and people that weren't familiar with you could go ahead and play around with it. What would you want to go ahead and show them as far as that's concerned? In in let's say a two minute type of trailer teaser format. Well, I would want to set up the the bare bones of the plot so people understood the concept of the film, who the players are, and what's at stake. I don't know that this trailer did that. I think we see familiar faces that are dependent upon people seeing The Force Awakens. I don't think the crux of the story is there. I think we know that there's some sort of conflict between Luke and Rey and Rey and Kylo and Kylo and Leia. But we don't understand how all these pieces are set up and how everything is moving towards that unified thing, object, storyline, or goal. And I think that I think that's a problem. You know, when it comes to the Star Wars universe and it comes to The Last Jedi, I mean, we're always going to be expect something with going on with with Snoke, with with Kylo Ren, with with all that going on. And I don't know, you can't really can't tell what's going on because if you're slick enough or if you're experienced enough watching these trailers, you understand that what is being shown or what is being listened to on screen as you and I both know, yes, experienced, uh, you know, people dealing in the film industry, whatnot. It's not, it's almost like a, a shell game of you think something's obvious and it's really not. We can we could pretty much tell that a lot of that dialogue is put at it, it's told at different points of the time in the movies than what's actually being shown. So is Kylo Ren actually going to blow up his mothership? Most likely from what we've seen in past trailers in the history of Star Wars, especially recent times, dictates no, that will not be the ultimate outcome. 
at least that first part when it first opens as far as the dialogue is concerned and alludes to Snoke maybe talking to Ray instead of Kylo Ren, we can pretty much figure out that that's not the case. I have a feeling that a lot of the footage in there and thoughts and dialogue are pulled from dream sequences or meditation sequences or some sort of other way of communicating that. We didn't even see the casino planet as far as anything going on from that realm, which was so hyped up in the Entertainment Weekly pictures and posters. And oh, I don't even know about there. that. I've really stayed away from it. I was really trying to just limit myself to the trailer and any kind of big pieces of news. And, I mean, it feels like Finn is thrown in there. Like, you try to tell me what his storyline is based on the images you see or, or what Poe's doing, and your guess is as good as mine. They feel like throwaway characters, and if that's the case, are you just throwing in them in there to have like a token, you know, three-second cameo in the trailer, or and would Finn, you rather to take more time to develop the story and like showcase how big this is going to be and what's going on? And Finn getting hurt and debilitated in the Force Awakens means absolutely Zippo because we know he's going to be fresh as a daisy come, you know, at some point in time in the movie in The Last Jedi, which is kind of disappointing because I like that part where is Finn going to actually still come back and be okay, give that give that kind of suspense, but you've already broken that suspense for us already. Yeah, and if we are thinking about The Force Awakens, there was this big kind of shakeup between Finn and Rey and how they were almost like uh a one-two punch in terms of like joining the resistance and being that new like Luke and Han kind of dynamic. But in this trailer, Finn is relegated to like such a background performer that only stands out by knowing his role in the force awakens that I don't know that uh, he's going to have anything cool happening going forward. Maybe, maybe his time in, in this, in this part of the saga is over in terms of like his significance. And that's a shame because I actually really enjoyed his character. Well, we don't know. That's the thing. We still don't know. I don't think the the trailer was super spoilery. Ray reaching out to Kylo's hand and asking him to help to understand. That could be like legitimate. That could be at the very end of the film. I think it was two scenes cut from one another. Yeah, I was I was trying to look at the lighting between their faces to see how much it matched and how much it didn't match. I mean, they obviously want us to feel like it's the same scene whether it's cut apart or not. The part the, the stuff that really bothers me is Luke's dialogue that's interrupted by like three or four shots where he says, this is not going to turn out, pause, 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 the way you think it is. Because it feels like such an obviously forced edit on that part. Like just let it play out and let the images like do the work. And again, another space battle. We knew that was coming. Not too much in the way of lightsaber duel though. That was interesting that they kept that back. I wonder if they're going to have a a saber battle or if it's going to be a strictly uh, force driven thing. We get to see Snoke, though, which is kind of cool, and how that's revealed. And is he attacking Ray, or is he attacking Kylo? Is is there any attack, and what and what is the deal? I know it's, it looks like it's also going to go more into depth as far as how Luke went into hiding, and how Kylo Ren went bad, and how Snoke influenced Kylo Ren into becoming part of the First Order. Well, yeah, that- it seems that like when Luke says, I've only seen this kind of strength once before and it didn't scare me, flashback to we see like Luke's hand coming up from the rubble, this temple or place of training in ruin, which coincides with the Force Awakened vision where R2 and Luke are together and, you know, the place that seems to be on fire or destroyed. So there, maybe that's this part of the same vision or, or flashback. There's nothing kind of like epic about Luke in this one either. Like, 
it's uh, what's interesting is like it's the hero and they're playing the refusal to the call card where he won't turn, he won't turn, you know, he won't do it. He he refuses it. He pushes it away. So it'll be interesting to see what gets Luke to come overcome that hurdle and that obstacle. I'm very interested to see how this all lays out. But yes, it, it did not show me some of the things that I wanted to see more of, or at least get a taste of. Uh, there are new characters who were introduced in other form or fashions, again, through the Entertainment Weeklies and and uh, obviously D23 and all that, that were not shown in a trailer so far. So that was kind of disappointing as well. It all comes down to what is Star Wars basing itself on, the familiarity of Rey, Ren, Luke, you know, all that intertwined. And then Leia, obviously, of course, at the end, doesn't say anything, but obviously her presence is still felt very much, at least in this form or fashion, with The Last Jedi. Yeah, so I don't think it's spoiler-heavy. I think it's it's done exactly the kind of job that it's supposed to do. It's getting fairly positive reactions online. The memes are starting to come out now, which is pretty hilarious. I like it just as much as I liked all the other main trailers for Force Awakens. I wasn't a huge fan of the teaser trailer for Last Jedi. I mean, it hasn't swayed me to see it more. I'm not more excited than I was before it. It's not going to get anybody new in the theater because it's still... I think the trailer was just a reminder that, hey, tickets are on sale now. That's pretty much what it was down for. In fact, the entire weekend, as I was talking about with Josh, where it included the Star Wars Battlefront 2 beta, TNT devoting its entire weekend to the Star Wars films leading into the Monday premiere of the trailer. That's all intertwined with, like I said, tickets going on sale. And I think that's what it was all about. Well, there you have it. That's the Cosmic Crossfire once again for the pop culture cosmos. And, of course, our thoughts on the Last Jedi trailer and whether trailers actually spoil or not or if that's exactly what they're intended to do or maybe they're just intended to galvanize advanced ticket sales nowadays. Uh, Let us know your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, and, of course, anywhere else that you see us getting posted. Absolutely. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com, PopCultureCosmos on Twitter, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter. Rob, as always, it's been a pleasure and getting ready to cook up some more pop culture topics for next time on the Cosmic Crossfire. Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the PCZ Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. If you cannot catch us on the podcast radio network, either this show, Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, or our Monday show, which is the number one show on the podcast radio network, and it's all because of you, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on Mondays, and, of course, the great show, Attack of the Humanicans, on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. That's okay. For all the pop culture cosmos shows and the PCC multiverse And it's always available for download right now on any of these great channels. Just type in Pop Culture Cosmos and it comes right up. It's available on the Apple Podcasts. Tune in, the Ace Podcast Network, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, 
podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunny Geek Network, Cast Crunch, Social Podcasts, and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. All that great stuff right there for you. And if you download our shows off of the one of those channels, there's always some bonus stuff just for listening. And if that's not good enough news for you, I know this will be because, Josh, what are all the great things happening out there in your world known as Humanica Media? We actually have some content this week. So Woo-hoo! I don't know. It's, it's fickle, man. These these schedules are so fickle with people. So yesterday we recorded a new topic, Ocalypse, which was actually a very, very interesting uh, time because this was the first time there's beer involved. So you can expect a sort of different type of topic ocalypse. Let's just let's just call it that. You know, it's uh it's definitely interesting. It's definitely interesting. You know, I'm recording what about this on this weekend and you can catch a new super BS, which we already recorded yesterday, and that'll be up on Monday. And uh, as always, check out Attack of the Humanicans every Tuesday, and you can check out Inside Sports every Wednesday nights, and you know, that's all we got for you right now. Well, that's plenty indeed. I'll tell you that right now. That's a lot of stuff. You can catch all the information on them at Humanica Media on Facebook and Twitter or all their channels on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, podcast.com, and many more. So Middle Earth Shadow War, the sequel to the great, great hit Middle Earth Shadow Mordor. And I'll tell you what, this is supposed to be a great follow-up to what many consider was the game of the year that came out at that point in time. And in fact, was the game source, which we run here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the game source game of the year for that year it came out. So I ask you, Josh, why are we a little bit apprehensive on what's going on with Miller's Shadow of War? Because the reviews have come in and they have not been very strong. A lot I'm hearing and a lot I'm seeing and a lot I'm interacting with in regards to more of the same. So what do you think went wrong with Middle-Earth Shadow of War? It's the loot boxes, man. It's the, the in-game microtransactions. That's the, that's the big complaint I'm hearing from people is that it's the, you know, you have to, you're paying $60 for a game and then you have to pay for all this extra content. Like, yeah, you can... You can go, you can play through it, but you know we were talking about this on the Super BS Gamescast. Is that you know the this game is a game that is kind of being geared toward people who grew up in the Lord of the Rings cinematic phase. So you know now that we're no longer teenagers and we're you know we're in our in our twenties and our thirties, we we don't have time to sit there and play these games like they do. So they put these these uh, little microtransactions out there and they make it in the game so. You can either play hours and hours and hours and grind to get all this stuff that you need, or you can just pay another like sixty bucks to, you know, just be able to play the game and sit back and enjoy it. So it's one of the, it's like, why, like, what, why do you need to do that to us? It's so I, I, I don't know, man. Like it, the first game was fun, but it was pretty repetitive too, though. I mean, micro microtransactions aside, the game was pretty repetitive. Am, am I wrong in that? No, it did have its its moments where you, you were doing a lot of things, but the Nemesis system was really fun to do. It was revolutionary and way ahead of its time, and now a lot of more games have tried to implement that. And yes, this does go a little bit further when it comes to Shadow of War with the Nemesis system. It enhances it, but doesn't really make it new in any way, which I think is another issue with the game. Is just What I'm seeing is it's more of the same, which is a good thing, but not a great thing. 
And with the loot boxes, that's a bigger issue entirely because as so many people out there are starting to get really upset and there's starting to be a lot of pushback, but still developers and, and, and game publishers are still trying to throw this out there. Star Wars Battlefront 2, a game that I am really looking forward to. What happened in the beta? Loot boxes, loot boxes, loot boxes are already showing up all over the place. And this pay-to-win mentality is is really not cool after you spend 60 bucks on all these games. It's not cool at all because you're asking them to pay tens of dollars more just to become competent or stay up with other people. At, at some point in time, you know somebody else is going to be doing it and get, going after these pay-to-win scenarios. And especially in a multiplayer environment, that makes it a lot harder for people to enjoy the game thoroughly when they know someone else is, is going the pay-to-win route, which to me is extremely unfair. And in the case of Middle Earth Shadow of War, going through this pay-to-win pay scenario, because like you said, I did enjoy the Lord of the Rings Cinematic Universe. That's one of my favorite cinematic universes of all. And... You know, I don't have the time, like you and I both don't have the time to go through grind through 40, 50, 60 hours like we did in the past. And so, yeah, it becomes even more tempting to do it, which is great for them. They make more money off it. But is it truly fair after you've already invested $60 in the game? What are your thoughts on Middle Earth Shadow War? Are you really upset with the loot boxes and how it's being distributed? Are you really enjoying the experience of Middle-Earth Shadow of War, or do you think it's more of the same? Share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back, our good friend Tyler Baker from Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, he's coming back with a preview of Week 6 in the NFL for fantasy owners, and that's coming up right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. My name is Joe Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Week six in the NFL is already upon us. And I'll tell you what, goes by fast this season. I'm, I'm telling you, it just seemed like the other day we were still talking about preseason and all that good stuff going on. Yeah. But week six is here. I promise I won't say break a leg because after I did, J.J. Watt ended up breaking his leg. So I won't go that far. But we have a man who hopefully will not break his leg. He is the man to myth, the legend from ffpater.com. Also as well, the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group. And of course, the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, which you can catch new episodes every Tuesday and Saturday on Apple Podcasts, Libsyn, player.fm and also 
overcast.fm as well. It's Tyler Baker. What's up, my friend? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad, not too bad, not too yeah. shabby. Just uh, another great weekend here in October. Looking forward to it indeed. In week six in the NFL, a lot is upon us. Showed you my lineup earlier because I posted on the great Facebook group, the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, and I truly appreciate all the feedback I got back from it. We know there are a lot of people out there who are still undecided on what to do and how to go about making the small changes that they need to make at last minute things and whatnot. So I, I told you I would get you prepared on running backs because I know that is a big issue right now with fantasy owners is finding quality running backs at this point in time. So seeing how there might be a little bit of an issue trying to get running backs, trade for, pick up waiver wires, or might be at the end of the roster – who are some running backs that you're looking forward to this weekend, and who do you think might produce that, well, you know, outside of the top five, it's really a, pretty much a crapshoot at this point in time. It gets swampy after those first couple of guys, but there are actually quite a few guys out there. Again, nothing stellar, but there are some guys out there. There was a big trade this week that sent Adrian Peterson to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, don't expect too much out of Adrian Peterson. Years ago, back in Minnesota, when he had a not-so-good offensive line, defenses would stack the box. He didn't care. He still got yards. This is a much older version of Adrian Peterson, and this could be the worst offensive line that he's ever played behind. So That's what uh, I've seen reports so far yeah yeah they're not good they they lost their their best run blocking guard and mike empanada and it's it's just not a good situation there but there should be a lot of good opportunity as far as guys you could you might be able to find on the waiver wire Elijah McGuire is a guy that I like a lot this week. He plays for the Jets and they are playing the New England Patriots and the Patriots defense has been a little porous and so he can also catch balls out of the backfield. Now, Matt Forte, their other running back, hasn't practiced in weeks. And Bilal Powell, their featured back, may not play this week. So Elijah McGuire could be the only guy there. Now, there were some devastating injuries in New York to their receiver core. This week, they go against Denver. Now, you are not going to see a lot of production from the receivers that they have in Denver. Denver has really good cornerbacks. What I think you are going to see is I think you're going to see a lot of Shane Vereen. That guy should catch a lot of balls out of the backfield if you're going to attack Denver, it's going to be in the middle of the field. You're going to stay away from those outside cornerbacks because they are just too good. So Shane Vereen is somebody you might want to pick up. There are some other guys out there. Duke, Duke Johnson is poised to have a good game. There's also an injury um, to Carlos Hyde in San Francisco. Matt Breida is kind of his backup, and they're kind of sharing the workload. If something happens to Carlos Hyde, Matt Breida is probably still available on your waiver wire. So as far as guys that you can just go pick up, those are a couple. I think in Baltimore, Buck Allen, Javari Salen, I think he's poised to have a pretty big game against Chicago. So there are some pretty, pretty good plays out there. And if you have any questions, of course, go to the Facebook group and ask a question because when you're setting your lineup, every single little advantage you can get is going to matter, especially at this point in the season. Every little advantage you can get really does matter. It does indeed. And once again, this is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. You can catch him every Tuesday and Saturday with podcasts straight to Apple Podcasts, Libsyn, Overcast, and Player.fm. The Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group, you got to join up today and, and check it out. I want to ask one more thing as far as wide receivers are concerned, because there's still plenty of wide receiver opportunities that are out there. 
who may be you know hiding in the woods whatnot maybe a name that may be out there or someone that maybe someone should focus on that's maybe riding on the bench that might have a good strong weekend because like we, we were talking about running games are really hard to find and if that's the case the wide receivers will benefit from it there's a couple of guys Corey davis the first round pick in tennessee now he's not going to play this week but he will come back he's only played one full game it was the first week and he had 10 targets and he had 10 targets without playing in the preseason so he is going to be a big part of this offense also the la chargers first round draft pick Mike Williams. He is supposed to make his debut this week. I'm not expecting huge things immediately from him. When asked about it, they said that they have plays already drawn up for him, like they are ready to roll with him. Those are a couple guys that you can probably get off the waiver wire that uh, have very, very good potential to make an impact. Now in Cleveland, they made a quarterback change. I've had my eye on a guy named Ricardo Lewis. Um, he is a guy that that really shown in camp, and it's taken a little bit of time for him to get a part of the offense. He had a pretty good week last week with the quarterback change and with them needing a spark. I think Ricardo Lewis is supposed to have a pretty big week. Also, Detroit is getting um, Galladay back, and that's a guy that really shown in the beginning of the season. He's been hurt for a couple of weeks. I'm sure a lot of fantasy owners have already dropped him, so that's a guy that you could find on the waiver wire. And then, of course, in New York, where they're <laughs> They're just completely decimated there. If you can find a way to get Sterling Shepard, he's not going to play this week, but if you can find a way to get him, that's a guy you really want on your team because that's the only true good receiver that they have. There's also a guy named Roger Lewis that is on that team. I haven't seen a lot out of him. We do know that he's good going downfield. He can track deep balls. So if there's like a home run shot there, it's him. But again, in New York, I think you're looking at Shane Vereen and also Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, their rookie tight end, has been really good this year. He was third third on the team in targets before Beckham and Marshall went out. So Evan Ingram at tight end, if you can manage to get him on your team, uh, maybe work a trade or something, I think he's going to have a really big second half of the year. Great information there for you. Once again, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. Got to check it out. Apple Podcasts and Libsyn and Overcast.fm, Player.fm, just great indeed. And also check out his site, ffpater.com. What's coming up on your Saturday program before we head on out? Well, I it all comes down to what happens on that Friday injury report. The Friday injury reports come out Friday afternoon, tells us where all these guys are. So I'm going to study that and then start digging a little bit deeper into these matchups. I can already tell you that with this Tampa Bay game, I don't like Mike Evans going up against Patrick Peterson. So I'm expecting that Deshaun Jackson is probably going to going to be the guy there in, in, in Tampa Bay. So just little things like that. I'll kind of touch on on my Saturday podcast. That's great indeed. It's a can't-miss podcast for all you fantasy football owners out there, and there's no better place to go than ffpater.com, Fantasy Football Pater Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Libsyn, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, and also join their Fantasy Football Pater Podcasts Facebook group today to ask all your questions on your fantasy football team. Tyler, as always, it's been a great pleasure, my friend. I know you're back there on the East Coast and it's late for you, but we truly appreciate you sticking around right here on the PCC Multiverse. Thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure to come on and talk to you. You got it, my friend. As always, thank you so much and good luck this weekend in fantasy football.
I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cleus Jacobs. We're here to tell you about our podcast, The Earth Station DCU. Join us every week as we discuss the DC Universe. We talk everything DC, including comics, television, the cinematic universe, and so much more. We look forward to bringing you some great reviews and discussions. And don't forget, read, read more comics. comics. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Want to thank Tyler Baker from ffpater.com and the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast for being on the show. And of course, Rob McCallum. Want to congratulate him on being nominated for three Chicago Emmys for his work with the Chicago White Sox commercials that he did before the season started truly want to congratulate you for that you want to check out all of his great work robmccallumfilms.com also as well his work with tiny titan studios which you can get on steam today tiny rails a great game at 9.99 or also as well tiny rails and dash quest for free on mobile so josh you have seen it i have seen it And the thing is now, because the movie really deserves it, you need to see it. We're talking about Blade Runner 2049. I I said in my review, and you want to check out my review, it's on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. It is at this point in time the best movie of the year in 2017. Maybe a little bit too long for, for perfection, but my goodness, what's there is truly incredible to the eyes, the ears, and just truly incredible overall. And Denis Villeneuve, that's me golf clapping because it's well done. What are your thoughts on Blade Runner 2049? I loved it. Loved every minute of it. To me, it was the perfect movie. It had solid acting, solid storytelling, great cinematography, it was long, but it had just enough to mystery to keep your attention. And it did a good job of opening a story and then closing it. And also connecting the first movie with the second movie. All right, and I've never seen anything done like that before. The, you know, and they managed to take a character who, he, he was in his prime 35 years ago, and make him an integral and interesting character arc in this movie that wasn't actually about him. Blade Runner 2049 integrates the first film so well, yet it has its own unique and diverse story as well as far as the investigation is concerned. It's truly gripping at virtually almost every turn. I say it was a little bit long, but I didn't feel like it was long in the movie. But when I came back you know, around and I thought about it, reflected on it, it wouldn't have killed me if it was taken about 10 to 20 minutes off. I think it would have made it even more special it's still going to go in my top 25 all-time list. I don't know exactly where I'm going to have to watch it again to think about exactly where it places, but it is truly an incredible experience for me. Josh, I, I mean, it sounds like you enjoyed it even more than I did, and I think it's far and away the best film of the year. I, I, I wasn't expecting that, like, because I've been – lately I've just been going to the movies, and I've just been disappointed every time I walk out, and then this was a very – This is why I was so adamant about not talking to you about it until I watched it because I was expecting, like, I didn't want to know anything. I wanted to walk in. Ignorance is bliss in this case. So if you haven't seen it, don't read any reviews. Don't expect anything out of it. Just go in. Make sure you watch the first one, but go in and just watch the movie. Enjoy it for what it is. 
like because you know i my dad does not like anything like he's he was excited to watch this movie and i kept looking over i'm like dude it's a long movie and then i look over and he's enthralled by it so that's how you i mean that that's my gauge of a good movie if my dad likes it because he just hates everything but everything was super interesting and like that whole like the theme behind it too like what what makes us human is something that we is a is a it's funny because it's a question that we should be asking ourselves now instead of so many years in the future but it's, it's just it really like it, it was emotional it was mysterious it, it had everything that a good movie needed and i'll tell you what it is just something that people need to see and experience in the theaters it's going to look great on 4k blu-ray i was just talking with somebody and he can't wait to get out of 4k blu-ray and that's that's great but you need to experience this with a 20 foot tall movie screen or even better yet if you can still catch it on imax that's even better with dolby atmos oh my gosh that was just an awesome experience but if you can't see the in the theaters please do so because this is truly an incredible movie experience and again we think it's the best film of 2017 really think that people need to go ahead and give this movie a chance and it deserves to do well it should be remembered in oscar time it should be remembered by everyone now and shouldn't be freaked out by the length of the runtime or whatever i uh, or you didn't know the source material you didn't watch it it does help if you watch the source material but if you don't you will not find any less enjoyment out of it i still think you will enjoy it tremendously because it is such a visual and audio experience the sound design and score is just truly tremendous by Hans Zimmer and Roger Deakins as a cinematographer just a magnificent piece of art and Denis Villeneuve the way he engineers everything in virtually all the scenes uh, there are some couple scenes where I, I thought could have been left on the cutting room floor but for the most part, like I said, it's just truly, truly awesome experience. And this comes from two people who did not truly enjoy his last effort, The Arrival, which was so high up on everybody's top 10 list. And I'm going to leave it with you, Josh, since you were the last one of us to see it. Why should they see Blade Runner 2049 and cannot miss it as a theater experience? Mostly because it's the first thing that the critics have actually enjoyed that I agreed with them on. So, you know, if you've been following us at all over the years, you know that I hate everything the critics love. So, you know, this is a, this is a truly uh, great movie, kind of rev revolutionary in my eyes. But, yeah, it, it's, um, it just makes me sad in the end, though, that it did so little in box office revenue i you know i don't i have no doubts at all that's going to make back the 150 million that was spent on because what it's at like 90 right now 90 it's 90. closing in on 100 worldwide but yeah. it, it probably will top out of maybe 200 250 worldwide unless unless it gets a longer run due to getting some acclaim being a, a one of the best films of the year if you have any thoughts on Blade Runner 2049, did you enjoy the film? Or if you're not checking out, why are you not checking out this great film, which right now we think is the best film of 2017? You got to share your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. 
And one last bit of advice. If you do go see a movie this year, please, we know you're going to probably see Last Jedi. We know you're going to probably see Justice League. We know you're going to probably see Thor Ragnarok. We know you're going to see maybe a couple others. But please make every effort to go see Blade Runner 2049 because we really, from both of us, we really think that you will enjoy it and it will be a great experience for you as well. So, Josh, any last thoughts on the way out? Yeah, I didn't realize that we have a buttload of good games coming out in the next couple weeks. That we do, that we do. Uh, Wolfenstein 2, Super Mario Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Origins. Go back and play Forza. Dude, there's a lot of good stuff, man. I just, I'm gonna have to cheese. Jeez. I'm not gonna have time for all this, man. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Basford. It's another beautiful day right here in the P. C.C. Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome NFL football fans, it's that time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production. We're all the way up here to week six, uh, trying to make sense of all this craziness that's going on in the NFL, not just the kneeling for the anthem or anything. We all know about that. That's been done to death on virtually every network, but we're talking about uh, the actual games here. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, winning every other game, beating uh, potential playoff teams while losing to mediocre teams. I don't know. The Jets. The Jets have a three-game win streak. Seriously. I'm not making this up. All of you can go on. uh, Look it up right now. The Jets have a three-game win streak. Cowboys have lost three out of the last four games and continue to plummet. Uh, Oakland Raiders still looking horrible. And now with EJ Manuel in, uh, you know, what's going to happen with them? We don't know, but I'll tell you what, I don't work uh, alone here. I do enlist the help of the very, very best. So let me go and introduce my co-host here, a man many of you already follow on Twitter at Chris L Sports. That's C-H-R-I-S-L Sports. Simple spelling there. He is a pride of Rutgers University, and he is my very favorite East Coast intellectual. (laughs) Here he is, uh, none other than, and I'll go ahead and raise a glass to him, Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there, man? Charles, thank you for another fantastic introduction. You know, I guess that puts me in the likes of uh, Supreme Court justices, if you say East Coast intellectual, right? I'm, I'm flattered, flattered. Yeah, and you know what? I like you better than any of them. Let's, let's go ahead and say that right now. <laughs> thank you. I'm fair, right? Yeah, fantastic. So, you know, I noticed you have that uh, Vegas Strong hanging in the background there. So, uh, take so yeah, as you just in Vegas, Vegas, yeah, sure. 
As you mentioned last week, I went to Vegas. Um, two of my uh, best friends from uh, said institution, Rutgers, Stu and Paul, uh, came out from the East Coast, and we met up for a long overdue weekend. And uh, as fate would have it, it was the weekend after the uh, the tragic mass murder, frankly, at the Mandalay Bay. Um, we had a great time, but I will say that there was just kind of a pall over the city. You know, it was crowded. People were having fun, but it's not your usual raucous Vegas. But you know, that said, hashtag Vegas strong. So this shirt here, we went to uh, Top Golf, which if you haven't been there before, rumor has it there's one coming near us in Anaheim, California, Charles. But uh, basically, it's like a driving range with uh, you have these kind of virtual games, and you can hit targets, and they serve beer for us adults and have food. So we enjoyed it. So afterwards. A huge bar area with giant TVs, almost like a sports book. And we hung out there and enjoyed the games. And turns out they have a sports book too. But some of the waiters and waitresses and staff there are wearing this shirt. And I said, Hey, that's a great shirt. I'd like to get one. Well, long story short, there is a uh, employee there, the Top Golf in Vegas. His name is Nick Rabone. He's also an assistant uh, hockey coach at UNLV, right up your alley, Charles. And uh, l- luckily, he survived. Um, his brother was a paramedic and stabilized him but you know it was pretty touch and go so what the good people at top golf are doing there is having a fundraiser they're selling these shirts you can probably find them online i'd like to point out this here for you non-hockey fans the uh brand new vegas golden knights got on board even had a fundraiser for them last friday night so props to them too um you know not only is it a cool shirt all the proceeds are going to nick and his recovery so uh you know we try and keep it light here and talk about football but i saw firsthand what happened my Friend Stu went down there and saw the memorial at the Vegas sign. I give him credit. I couldn't do it. But, you know, just, uh, just a reminder, you know, this is all trivial, kneeling and fantasy football and injuries and the Giants stinking, for instance. But uh, life is short. So it's things like that that really open your eyes. But uh, we wish Nick a speedy recovery. All right. Most definitely from all of us here at uh, Inside Sports. Okay, well, you know, Chris, let's uh, get right into it. Now, a lot of interesting storylines here. Like I mentioned in the Open, the, the Jets have a three-game win streak. I, I honestly didn't know that until I heard it uh, uh, while I was watching another show. And then what is up with the, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars? Okay, they've won every other game. Season opens, win-loss, win-loss, win. Now, they've beaten the Houston Texans, Baltimore Ravens, and Pittsburgh Steelers by a total combined score of 103-23, to but they lost to the uh, Tennessee Titans and New York Jets by a total combined score of 60-36, to and to top it all off, this week they're playing the Rams. <laughs> what, what do you make of this? What, what kind of team, what kind of schizophrenia are we talking about with these Jaguars? Well, when Blake Bortles is your quarterback, anything is possible, right? Uh, that said, big picture, you look at Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin, who's in charge of football ops there, that's their style of football. The uh, pound, pound, uh, ground and pound that our buddy Rex Ryan could never seem to figure out, Jacksonville has. Leonard Fournette. Everyone's talking about Kareem Hunt and Deshaun Watson, but Leonard Fournette's got to be in the running for Rookie of the Year. Guy's a beast, ran all over the place, spinning. Um, when you control the ball like that with a, with a stud running back like Fournette, you don't have to throw the ball much, and that's why Jacksonville, when they are blowing teams out, they're controlling the line of scrimmage, and their defense, <clears throat> five interceptions of Ben Roethlisberger, and look, we know they drafted on that side of the ball, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, to name a few, and that's coming to fruition, so they've got a, a good mixture there, and you know, I heard, you know, New York, they love their rumors and their speculation and jumping to conclusions. Someone theorized, well, maybe Tom Coughlin will trade for his favorite quarterback, Eli Manning, to, to try and make a playoff run. Will it happen? I don't know, but it makes her good fodder. But uh, 
yeah, definitely a team hard to figure out, but uh, I really do like that defense. Yeah, and you know, no matter how this week's game turns out, it's going to be nice to see uh, two of the best run, young running backs there, Leonard Fournette and Todd Gurley, on the same field competing again, just like we had uh, Todd Gurley and, uh, and Ezekiel Elliott just a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, let's move on to – we talked about your New York Giants. Uh, now 0-5 looks like the playoffs are not going to happen. Let's go ahead and say that. And they lost – I've never seen a team – literally lose every receiver in one game. Odell Beckham is out for the season uh, with a broken ankle. Uh, Sterling Shepard is also done. Uh, well, excuse me, he's the only one who's actually going to come back. He's supposed to come back in about four weeks or so. Brandon Marshall is done with a foot. And uh, Dwayne Harris, who doesn't even really uh, play receiver that much, he's mainly a kick returner, he's done for the year as well. So it was like in one fell swoop, it just crushed all hope you may have had there. Yeah, you know you're in trouble when the great Roger Lewis is your uh, number one receiver. And uh, at some point, I'm, I was wondering if even they're going to line up Evan Ingram as kind of a glorified wide receiver and split him out. And uh, I guess they didn't give Victor Cruz a call. I was surprised by that. Should have brought him back. But yeah, I think serving uh, this season remind me a little bit of 03 of their high expectations and Jim Fossil's last year, and they completely crapped out and went four and twelve. But uh, at this point, you know. Pull, a, uh, pull an NBA move, tank the season. There are a number of quarterbacks you get at the top of the draft and uh, get yourself essentially a franchise quarterback. Maybe Eli's got a year or two left, so sorry about that. Now the New York media is calling me. Um, you can you can groom him. <laughs> I'll, uh, the the <clears throat> yeah, I think, he's, I think he's in bed right now. But, uh, yeah, essentially maybe get your quarterback of the future. It's worth a shot, especially considering the Jets keep messing up and winning, right? Well, you know, you think about that, though, the move, which, which you talked about with uh, Eli Manning, though, is it maybe time, like you said, uh, Eli's maybe got a year or two left. If you traded him to a Jacksonville or something, go ahead, get yourself some draft picks and uh, maybe just build for the future. Because he's, like I said, a year or two, that's, that's it. You're going to have to start from the ground up, so you can't really build around a 35-year-old quarterback, can you? No, you can. And also the Chargers and Steelers are learning that fairly quickly. So they may also be in the market for a quarterback in the next April. Well, maybe the Jackson, maybe the Jaguars wind up with one of those three. Maybe either Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, or Ben Roethlisberger goes over to uh, Jacksonville. But then again, you know, let's look at Ben Roethlisberger. And the, now the game before this one, now this season, or excuse me, this last game, he throws five interceptions against Jacksonville. Two of those were pick sixes. And the week before that, he doesn't see Antonio Brown, who's wide open out in the flat. And Brown was supremely, uh, just majorly miffed about that. They talked about it all week, in fact. So maybe Ben is reaching that point where it's not necessarily the arm strength, the body, but there's a certain level of concentration that goes on with playing the, the uh, position of quarterback. And uh, I've seen that start to go on older quarterbacks. Yeah, definitely. And even going into this season, the offseason, he kind of intimated that uh, he might be ready to hang it up. Well, apparently, I think mentally he has hung it up. I'm not sure how much gas is left in the tank. I don't know if injuries have caught up with him, but he's, he's definitely not the same quarterback he was. And, uh, you know, being, uh, having Steelers in your lineage, Charles, what, uh, what do you think the Steel City thinks there? Is he kind of mentally thrown in the towel, or is it more a function of uh, he's just gotten too banged up? Yeah. Uh, you got to wonder, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just not good. But you know, now we talked about the injuries of the New York Giants, and of course, I got to mention everybody in Houston is like, hey, saying what about us? So of course, Houston t- 
Texans on the opening drive against Kansas City. They lose both J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless. Now, this is the two best defensive players off of a defense that is already missing Brian Cushing because he's serving his annual suspension for PD, PED usage, you know. So, But still, they only lost by what was a six points to uh, Kansas City. So uh, Houston, a good team, and I think a, a lot better than people expected. And, you know, this kind of brings up the Cleveland Browns who wound up with the wrong Deshaun. They needed Deshaun Watson. They had Deshaun Kaiser. Fortunately for Houston, uh, they have Deshaun Watson, who's keeping them in games, uh, playing great at the quarterback position. Yeah, I guess that uh, that wasn't part of Paul D. Podesta's Moneyball plan to take over the NFL, was it? I know there are a number of people out there, personnel types and scouts, that wonder if the, the Browns would go for Watson. They didn't. And look, let's be frank, last year they traded out a pick where they could have had Carson Wentz. So I'm not sure what's going on there. If, you know, like the, the organization's just cursed or they don't believe in paying big bucks for a top-of-the-line quarterback at the front of the draft. I'm not sure, but last I checked, you go nowhere in the NFL with a, at least a, a very good to, to great quarterback. Yeah, that's true. And speaking of great quarterbacks, uh, the great Aaron Rodgers doing it again this past week with the uh, last-second last second drive winning against Dallas. And, you know, that, that brings into some question marks here. One is we got to look at the Packers as possibly this is the season they get to the Super Bowl because there's a lot of uh, – a lot of weaknesses there in those NFC teams. In fact, we could have a good old-school Packers and Chiefs Super Bowl. I could just see uh, Lynn Dawson and Bart Starr on opposite sides of the field there. But, uh, yeah, Rodgers. But we look at Dallas. Dallas has now lost three out of four games. Uh, they're going into the bye week. But that honeymoon may be over with Dak and Zeke because last year everything they did was fantastic because there were no expectations. This year they come in and the city is saying – Take us to the Super Bowl. And this Dallas team is really, they seem to be cracking under the pressure. Yeah, and throw in there Des Bryant, who's all but become invincible the last, uh, I don't know, year or two, I'd say. Really, he's not the player he was. But, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I, I kind of thought going in, given the, the toughness of the schedule, and even if El Elliott played the distraction of the potential suspension, that the Cowboys would have problems. But uh, didn't think it'd be this bad this soon. Um, I think ultimately teams are daring the, the Cowboys to, you know, they're going to stuff the line, see if Elliott can run. They're not going to let him. <clears throat> At that point, will Dak beat you? Probably not. And that's what's happening. And that's been a recipe for success. I think the bigger problem is the Cowboys are putting points up. Their defense is just atrocious. And it's been the same story for the past few years. I know they miss Sean Lee, but Rodgers lit up that secondary again. And that was kind of my theory going into picking them last week is that for whatever reason, Rodgers just – when push comes to shove, you get him in that hurry-up, two-minute drill, whatever the case is, he just picked apart that secondary. Until that's fixed, uh, nothing's going to change in Dallas with a tougher schedule approaching. Yeah, absolutely true. And then, uh, you know, moving on, we got to look at, you know, some of the other teams. Uh, the Rams, now they did lose this past week, obviously, 16-10 to to, to Seattle. But looking at the Rams, I'd still look at them very optimistically because – they committed five turnovers, like two interceptions, lost two fumbles, and still only lost by six points to Seattle. Normally, when you commit five turnovers to a team like Seattle, you're probably going to get buried 35-3 to three or something, but they were in it all the way to the end, and if Cooper Cup can hang on to that uh, pass right at the end zone, then they wind up pulling this thing out. So uh, still say a lot of hope for Rams fans for this season. Yeah, definitely. And a pylon got in the way of Todd Gurley and a touchdown right. and you know, some kind of <laughs> sketchy clock management by uh, 
by McVeigh. But yeah, I think that's a good sign. And it's also a bad sign for the Seahawks that they had this many opportunities handed to them and they couldn't put the Rams away. I, you know, I don't know if people still think they're a front runner in the AFC West, but at the very least, they're a vulnerable team. Yeah, like a lot of teams are. And then uh, we, something we talked about before the uh, Saints went into the bye week, and that was they were finding themselves, but they were finding themselves without Adrian Peterson. And as of today, Tuesday, October 10th, Adrian Peterson officially goes from the Saints to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals now cut Chris Johnson, who can go back to sitting on his living room couch and watching tapes of himself in that one 2,000-yard season he somehow had. But uh, they, they need a running back there. They've got him, and uh, it looks like the Saints are ready to march without him. Adrian Peterson only got uh, 47 carries while he was there in the, uh, in the Saints offense. So I think it is good that the Saints realized early on, and I got to give it to Peyton for understanding that, you know, this guy, no matter how great a runner he is or has been, doesn't quite fit into our offense, and they went ahead and moved him. Yeah, they did. And, you know, as we kind of talked about in week two, his days had to be numbered, at least from a playing time perspective, when he's giving Peyton the stink eye on the sideline and pouting. So <laughs> props to them for moving him soon. And, you know, we, we know the Cardinals love those kind of older reclamation projects like Dwight Freeney. So maybe he'll do well there. <clears throat> I don't know if he's got the power he once had, but at this point, he's better than the options in the Arizona backfield. And then, yeah, let's let's toot our own horn again. The uh, Alvin Kamara fantasy football drum we've been beating here the last few weeks. It looks like he's going to get a lot of reps and not just as a uh, a, Dwight, a kind of a Darren Sproles type player. Yep. There we go. So, and of course, uh, Arizona they just got buried this past week against uh, against Philadelphia. That was that was ugly, <laughs> to say the least. All righty, so moving on here, as you know, we got a couple other segments. Remember, follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow myself at, at The Inside Sports. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. And we're about to get into the other segments here. We're going to pick the five most intriguing games of the week and then also our Gambler's Delight picks and some fantastic fantasy football advice, which has been right on point, I must say, up until this point in the season. So hopefully we can continue that. Uh, Chris, you got some words for us before we get into those segments? Yeah, definitely. Um, the Oakland Raiders really better hope that Derek Carr gets back because, I mean, how E.J. Manuel is still in the NFL is beyond me. Uh, on the flip side, you know, look at Josh McCown. I mean, I'm not saying the Jets are by any means going to uh, have a winning season or anything like that, but it's a good story. This team was essentially written off and forgotten about, and the guy – Finally went into Cleveland and won a game where he once played. Uh, part of that is the mismanaging of Hugh Jackson and company in Cleveland. But I thought that was an interesting story. And finally, too, in keeping with my theme of uh, washed-up quarterbacks, how about Case Keenum last night coming off the bench? Um, good guy. My son and I met him at Rams camp last year. I'm happy for him. Why they rushed Bradford out there when he was clearly limping, I'm not sure. But n nice to see Keenum come in. And, and Mitch Trubisky didn't do half bad compared to Mike Lennon. But uh, – you, you like to see stories like that of uh, kind of guys who are forgotten about or looked over or bounce around the league. But uh, I really don't think EJ Manuel's long for this league. And uh, finally, Charles, Nick Folk got released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know we're all heartbroken and saddened. I hope that team finds a kicker at some point or they're not going to the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. They are teetering on the edge here, sitting at 2-2. Two and two. And, uh, yeah, when you talk about the Oakland Raiders, though, even with Derek Carr, we got to look at how bad their offense has been uh, really since, what, the second game of the season or so. The offensive line is getting completely dominated. 
And from what I understand, there's, you know, they have a new offensive coordinator this year, and I guess it may be a little too vanilla like, uh, like the situation the Rams had last season when, you know, Gurley couldn't even get past the line of scrimmage because everyone and their brother knew what play was coming next. So they've got some things to fix there, definitely there in Oakland. And beyond Derek Carr getting back, we got to remember how bad they were playing when before Derek Carr got injured. Yeah, they're having issues with the offensive line. Defense didn't know whether they were coming or going. And mm-hmm. frankly, uh, beast mode looks like he's already what, run out of gas in week five after week five. So they've got issues, to say the least. And, and I don't know what's happened to Amari Cooper. That guy uh, has completely disappeared and, and suddenly likes to drop the ball. I'm not sure what happened there with him. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. The five more, more of the intriguing matchups. You may not say the most intriguing, but... Hey, you know, we think they're pretty good games here. They'll at least be entertaining. Starting out with the uh, Thursday night contest, Mr. Lardiera, you want to set this up for us? Sure. For the second week in a row, we've actually got quite a compelling Thursday night game. Usually they're uh, duds, Browns, Ravens type games. But uh, this week, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles sitting atop the NFC East, getting five points heading to Carolina to uh, face the Panthers. And everyone had written off Cam Newton for dead, and that is – arm was shot and he was uh, a sexist pig to boot but big win on the road and holding on in Detroit and uh, frankly I, th- I think this is a very interesting game at the very least could have wild card implications down the road because it looked like looks like these two are playoff bound where we stand now in October um, I like the way the Eagles are playing Carson Wentz has definitely matured I'm going to go with the home team I, I like the way the the Panthers are playing Cam seems to have gotten in a groove Christian McCaffrey starting to, to heat up and show the, the promise that made him such a high draft pick. And uh, let's face it, that defense in Carolina, as long as Luke Keekley's there and Thomas Davis, the ageless wonder, um, I like my chances with that team. So I'm going to go Panthers on Thursday night. Yeah, okay. Well, this is going to be a great game, as you say, but I'm going to go with the other side. I, I love the way Carson Wentz under pressure. I really like the way that he plays. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Philadelphia here. Uh, no blowout by any means. I think this is a close one. It's going to come down into the fourth quarter, probably as close as this Monday night game. Hopefully it doesn't end on an interception or anything like that. But uh, great game. I'm just going a little bit the other way. You know, this is almost it's like almost a coin flip for me. But I'm going to go ahead and say the Eagles. Ah, those dirty birds. How dare you? <laughs> okay, and then the next game, uh, Detroit Lions, and they are in uh, in New Orleans to face the Saints, who are now without Adrian Peterson. Detroit, uh, they dropped last week, uh, lost 27-24 to Carolina. They are a five-point underdog here. So I think one thing is with Detroit, uh, okay, Matthew Stafford, he got a little bit injured. So even if he does play, he's going to be slightly hobbled here. Uh, the Saints defense has been playing surprisingly well this year. So I'm going to say with uh, Stafford, possibly injured and maybe, you know, not at 100%. That's going to tip the scales that way. So I'm going to go ahead with uh, New Orleans' home team uh, with the win here. All right, I like your logic, but we're going to disagree again. Um, I I know these teams are very potent on the offensive side. Defensively, it's just a matter of which team will show up. Uh, I do think that Matthew Stafford is one of the toughest dudes in the NFL a guy played last year with a broken finger and managed to will his team into the playoffs. I know they had a rough loss to Carolina, but there was a lot of fight in that team. They fought down till the very end. And uh, the fact that Detroit, even though they are going into the Big Easy, it's a dome. They're used to it. Uh, I'm going to pick the Lions. I think they're on a roll this year. I think they and Green Bay will be fighting it out to the end to win the NFC North. Detroit is the pick. 
All right, fantastic. This is definitely a game that is going to bear watching, as is, you know, interestingly enough, uh, the next game. Chris, break that one down for us. Yeah, the uh, the L.A. Rams coming off a tough loss to the Seahawks goes into uh, Jacksonville. The, uh, the, the legendary Blake Bortles at the helm. Well, not legendary. And uh, the Rams are two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Um, you know, they're a very schizophrenic team. We know that. My logic here is simply off of momentum. For whatever reason, uh, the Jaguars like to beat good teams, as you mentioned earlier. I categorize the Rams as a good team. They got a winning record. Uh, I, I do think they have playoff aspirations. It's not unreasonable. I think at the end of the day, the Rams' defense has been vulnerable. They weren't as much on this past Sunday, but I think that's more a function of the anemic Seahawks offense. I think if uh, going into that heat and flying cross country, if they can pound the ball with Fournette and let their defense win the game like they've been doing, I think that's a recipe for success. I'm going to pick Jacksonville. They're going to keep chugging along. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. You you look at the momentum of Jacksonville, but I look at their record, win, loss, win, loss, win. This week it's going to be the Rams who are going to win this game. They're due for a loss. But I think the Rams, because the defense is pretty quick, they're going to force Bortles into some bad decisions, and we know he makes those. I wouldn't be surprised if Bortles threw three picks in this game. Three picks in this game, and I think the Rams uh, win this. And, in fact, I would not be terribly surprised if the Rams won this one rather easily just because of that. Once they get into a hole, you get Jacksonville into a hole, that takes Fournette out of the game. So the Rams jump on them quick, jump on them early, put them in an early hole, make Blake Bortles beat you. And we know how that happens, how that turns out when Blake Bortles tries to beat you. Has he beaten anyone? I don't know. He's going to this week. <laughs> okay. All right, so now we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are kind of having an up-and-down season, uh, sitting at 2-2. Two and two. They're going to be in Arizona, Arizona with a newly acquired Adrian Peterson. Arizona sitting at 2-3. and three. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a uh, two-and-a-half-point favorite. So Buccaneers in Arizona. I think Arizona, Arizona has to have this game. They have to. they got to come back from that poor performance. Adrian Peterson, I think, chomping at the bit to finally get – in there be part of the offense he should be energized provided he's got enough left in the tank so i'm going home team here uh the buccaneers have really not been that clutch this year as far as what i see so i'm going to say the team that needs this game the most is going to win it i'm going with arizona the home team to uh to beat the buccaneers i'm going to disagree with you again i think tampa with the extra few days off uh watching that game closely against the patriots frankly dirt cutter made me scratch what's left of my hair (laughs) <laughs> Doing an onside kick with that much time left in the game. It's a little yeah. bit of curious two-minute drill by Jameis Winston. Um, had a chance to win the game right down to the very last play. Nick Folk's gone, so if they need kicks, uh, I'm, I didn't notice who the new kicker was, but I'll go on record and say he's better than uh, Folk Uruguayo. And uh, the fact that I think the uh, the Arizona offense, look, Carson Palmer looks like he's washed up, even if Peterson is ready and picks up the offense. I don't like them against that Tampa D, so I'm going Buccaneers. All right. Perfect. Uh, Very sound reasoning, and uh, that'll definitely be a game that I want to watch as well. Uh, Why don't you break down the last contest here for us? The uh, L.A. Chargers, not San Diego, heading to (laughs) Oakland to play their uh, bitter rivals, the Raiders. Um, Last week, Chargers coming off a a big win. Someone had to win that game beating the Giants. Uh, The Raiders, we know they're in a tailspin without Derek Carr. I hate to be conditional with my bets. Uh, you know, it's Tuesday night. It's still early. I don't know if Carr's playing. 
If he does, I'm picking the Raiders. If not, there's no way in hell I'm picking EJ Manuel, even against the lowly Chargers and Phil Rivers with his turnovers. So uh, there's my conditional pick, I guess. Uh, you know, if, if, if I can make the rules, I will here in this case. But, yeah, uh, I'm hoping you agree with me in this uh, what-if statement. Well, I, I do to some degree, but I still think that the – the Raiders have more problems than, than people really think. I mean, it's one thing to be just kind of a, a mediocre team, which is the Chargers are showing themselves to be, but the Raiders, I think, have true problems down to the core of, of who the team is, not just the personnel, because they have the same personnel who are just underachieving this year. So they have deeper problems, and I think it may end up with uh, the, the offensive coordinator and Jack Del Rio may be uh, duking it out in the locker room or something. But uh, I'm going to char- take the Chargers to, uh, to win this game, I think. And when that happens, n- nobody's going to be able to ignore the problems that the Raiders really have when they lose this game to the Chargers. And uh, next week, dominating all of uh, the sports talk will be the Raiders if they lose this game to the Chargers, which I think they're going to do. Wow. So you're saying they may have to pack up the Mayflower trucks in the middle of the night and head down to Vegas? Could we be Well, the that? offensive coordinator might have to. <laughs> we'll be in witness protection somewhere outside of Vegas. <laughs> okay, everybody. So that's the picks of the week here. Picked some of the five most intriguing games. Now gets into the fun parts of the show. Well, what can I say? It's all fun. But, you know, the Gambler's Delight pick of the week, and this is one of those things we give you some advice in case you're at a sports book in Vegas. You got $20 burning a hole in your pocket. You want to place a football bet. Got to bet on one team, one game, an over, under, or anything like that. Here's some advice. We've been doing this since week one. Now, Chris, he, he says that he's not, you know, just he just happens to be from Jersey, but doesn't mean he necessarily knows anything about gambling. But let's just say he's 5-0. and oh. On the season with his gambler's delight picks, I'm only at two and three. Chris, you go first. You are the man. Thank you. For the record, I was in the state of Nevada. It's legal there. You can't do anything about it. <laughs> I bet the Chargers. My friend Paul thought I was crazy that I was happy that the Chargers scored late, and I explained to him, no, I'm going to get the best of both worlds. The Giants are going to score here and cover the bet, and I was able to watch a brutal football game without losing my mind because I had money on it. But anyway <laughs> – I'd like the streak to continue. I try not to pick the same teams over and over. My my one caveat is that I like underdogs. And there are a bunch of lines this week that aren't even on the board, like uh, Mariota Hurt with Tennessee at Indy on right. Monday night. Uh, Vikings, I'm not sure who's going to be the quarterback there. No line on that game. Um, going to have to go back to the well again and pick a team I used earlier this year. But when I look at this line, it stands out to me. The Lions are getting five points going into New Orleans. I'm going to use the same logic. I think at the very least they keep this game close. Personally, as I said in the picks, I think they win this game. But five is a lot of points for a Lions team that I think is pretty sound. And a Saints team, while they're playing well, um, I'm still not sold on them defensively. And when they have played in the past, these turn into shootouts. So there's your pick. Lions plus five. Hopefully the streak continues. And this logic may be based on my New Jersey brain, but it's also using a, a little bit of analytics not associated with Paul D. Podesta passing on quarterbacks. All right, perfect. And you know what? I'm going to actually go back to the well again, and I'm taking the L.A. Rams, uh, getting two and a half points. Take the Rams. Take those two and a half points against Jacksonville. Um, do we really think Blake Bortles is going to keep this up? Really? And 
You know, we got we better hope Leonard Fournette has a huge day in order for Jacksonville to win. Everybody out there, go ahead, put that twenty bucks on the Rams, get those two and a half points, sit back, enjoy the game, and hopefully you'll be thanking us both come next Tuesday, but more than likely, uh, Chris, and then hopefully I can get back into it here. Yeah, it'd be nice for you to join me. You're good at picking the games. You're just not good with the money, I guess, right? So yeah, exactly. Not- so overall with the picks, I'm 18 and seven. You are 17 and eight now. So I do have a one game lead there. But when the money's on the line, it is Chris Money Lardieri who comes to play. Yeah, it's not your fault. You weren't born in Jersey. That wasn't your choice. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Now let's go ahead and get into us. Uh, we were just talking about gambling. I will talk about something that technically is not gambling, even though it is a lot of fun for a lot of people. And that is uh, fantasy football. Chris knows a thing or two about that, too. He's been doing that for many, many, many years. Mr. Lardieri. And you've been doing very well this year. This year. Uh, fantasy football tips for the universe. Everybody get out those pens and paper. Yeah, uh, went to 5-0. and I had to play Eli at quarterback because Mariota was hurt. And, you know, he did his usual. Not enough for my team, but who's counting? Special thanks to DeAndre Hopkins. Like I told you a few weeks ago to get to Sean Watson. Unfortunately, I didn't stash him on my bench. I wish I had. But as we head in here to bye weeks, quarterbacks are going to be important. So with Mariota hurt on a Monday night, I'm going to throw a name out there. You may think I'm crazy. Jacoby Brissett will be out there on waivers. At the very least, if you've got Mariota and don't know if he's going to start, might be a game-time decision. Plug in Brissett. They're both going to play Monday. You don't have to worry about like being stuck without a quarterback or having to start when you may not necessarily want to. He's been putting up decent points as a fantasy quarterback. He is no Scott Tolzien and you know, T.Y. Hilton, and he have been able to develop a rapport. There's one right there. If you're really desperate, you've got someone hurt or there's no one out there on waivers, um, Andy Dalton's on a bye week. That may be someone to look for next week if you need a backup. But uh, Look, if Case Keenum starts, plug him in. Uh, you know, look at Josh McCown going into New England. You're going to think I'm crazy. The Patriots will roll the Jets. The Patriots have made geniuses out of all the quarterbacks they faced this year from a fantasy football perspective. I mean, I don't know what it is with their pass rush and their secondary, but at the very least, you get 15 to 20 points out of your quarterback. You should be happy in fantasy. Uh, there are a couple running backs out there that people are going to look for. Jarek McKinnon, who... Really didn't do a heck of a lot the last few years. Had a 95 yards and a 58-yard run. He's going to be popular out there on waivers if you need a running back. Wayne Gallman and Orleans Darkwa from the Giants did well. At this point, there's no one to throw the ball to, so the Giants better start running at some point. And then Elijah McGuire with the Jets. You know, they've got the law power, but he's been getting some reps too. Uh, finally, you two teams coming off a bye week. If you need a defense, keep an eye on the Washington Redskins. Playing the 49ers, tough luck team. I watched that game, but you know we all know Brian Hoyer likes throwing interceptions. You may want to pick up the Redskins D and also the Falcons with another favorable matchup. Remember, when teams come off of buys, they're sitting out there on waivers. People have ADD. They forget about them. Those are two teams you can go pick up. And then, like I've said before, look at matchups. So I have Sammy Watkins on my team. I like Sammy Watkins. I think he's going to do good things, but I saw he was going up against the Seahawks, and if Sherman wasn't covering him, they were going to count for him. They did. So you've got to go, and at this point, if, if uh, Watkins, who really isn't getting a lot of targets, teams are keying on him, I like him. He's a good receiver. Put him on your bench. Start a guy who you know is a number two that's going to get targets. Uh, I've got this uh, Juju Smith-Schuster on the Patriots. He's got a great name for whatever reason. Ben's been throwing to him lately with Martavius Bryant banged up. Uh, there's an example of what you need to do there. And then, um, like I said last week, not just this week's buy. Look at next week. If you're out there on waivers and you see, oh, I've got so-and-so on buy next week, 
stash a guy in the bench so that way you don't have to overpay for him when the buy weeks really come to fruition. So look ahead, good luck, and remember, there's always going to be injuries, but there'll always be replacements out there. Is Roger Lewis worth picking up on the Giants? I don't know. Honestly, I'd probably go and look for another receiver on another team who might be getting more targets. But uh, that's my advice. Hang in there. I mean, each year I say it gets more and more brutal with injuries, but just looking what happened to Giants receiving core alone and then J.J. Watt, that affects the Texans' defense. That's an ever-changing game, but you can win or lose based on what you do on free agency and fantasy. There you go. A very sage advice there, Mr. Lardieri. Remember, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. You can follow yours truly on Twitter at The Inside Sports. Uh, Chris, I'll give you final words here. Why, thank you. You know, not much has been made about NFL TV ratings in the last week, and I know they were up substantially for the Cowboys-Packers game, and that was a favorite theme of mine. Everyone likes to sing doom and gloom with the NFL, and Frankly, under Roger Goodell's leadership, anything is possible. But that said, I think what we're noticing here with NFL viewers is two things. One, they watch the really good games. And two, they're not necessarily watching on their TV. In case in point, my daughter at a softball game, my son's on the phone watching on direct TV or Red Zone or whatever he can find a game on. Does that get accounted to in TV ratings? No, it doesn't. And there are people who also stream online, or maybe they do that direct TV package with students in college do, and they... They get it on their laptop. So people are watching the games. They're being more selective. I mean, honestly, was I going to watch the 49ers and Colts unless I have money on it? Heck no. But, you know, most people aren't going to either. So, um, yeah, I, I just think the, uh, the, the fact that the empire is crumbling and Rome is burning in terms of television, I don't see it. I mean, where else are you going to find this sort of drama and action and interest. I love baseball. I'm enjoying the playoffs, but some of these games are four hours long. I don't know how you guys and girls on the East Coast stay stay up for these games. So uh, that's my rant, and I'm sticking to it. There you go. And, you know, I'm just kind of interested to see what happens with the whole uh, standing or kneeling for the national anthem thing. If they do issue the order that everyone must stand, what I like about it is that we're going to see what these guys are actually made of because this whole thing of kneeling for the national anthem is as easy as changing your Facebook profile pic to support whatever a cause is. So if they can no longer do that, or even if they did it and the TV cameras were no longer on them, that little protest is over. So let's see these guys who claim they're so into uh, social change and all of these other positive things, what are they going to actually do when it's on them to actually truly be proactive and make some changes? Let's see what these guys have really got. That's what well, I'm looking hopefully they'll do like, like you or I do. Like, I won't mention my employer, but I'm not going to be politicking at work, and I have strong opinions on certain things. And, uh, you know, hopefully these guys step up and, and do something outside if they can't kneel. That said, if they do not put the edict down, I think it'd be hysterical if Jerry Jones, you know, one week I kneel and the next week no one better kneel on my team. I'd love to see Dak, Dez, and Ezekiel all kneel before the game and see what he does then. I would Jason Garrett come out of retirement to play quarterback that week. So uh, it's too bad. I, uh, I would have really loved for that to happen, but I don't think it will. <laughs> All right, perfect. So, everybody, uh, that's the show for this week. Thank you for watching. Remember, every week it's NFL Football Talk. This is an Inside Sports production. For Chris Lardieri, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. We will see everybody next week. Enjoy the games. Brink here from Super BS. Talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah.
That's, uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.